do you want to do the intro? Have we figured out a way to do the intro <laughs> yet? <laughs> no, this is how we do every intro. <laughs> <laughs> so this is kind of how we do an intro, I guess. Okay. <laughs> oh man so today we're going to talk about um what it's like whenever you have a professor or material i guess in class that you disagree with or that might even contradict the bible um, and how to interact with those pressures um, I think that could be helpful for people, especially freshmen who might not know how to interact with that. Um, and so, yeah, we'll probably give stories or just thoughts um, on how to do that. So I guess let's start by just, do you have any uh, any stories like that? I don't have any direct stories. There's been some things here and there where... I think the the most significant thing that strikes me as that is when we've talked about, oh, this is how things are and happen in biology. Like, evolution did this, and that's how we got here. And then they just move on with that, and it's like, that's the accepted way that we think about these things. It's like, well, maybe not. Like, we're definitely presenting one side of a story here. And then we move mm-hmm. on. I think, like, biochem was definitely a class that presented things like that, of this is how things work. And then we're going to move on from that. And there, but there, there wasn't ever any pressure from a professor like, you have to believe that this is the way things are. No one ever said Christians are dumb or anything like that. So that was one. And then the, I guess the other thing, this comes from my ethics class. And there's just this weird thing at the beginning where it's like, this is an ethics class. We're going to talk about stuff. People might have different views than you. And that's okay, but you're not protected. Like, the point of this class is that we discuss things that might ruffle your feathers, and that's okay. And that's the point of it. But we're going to be adults about it and respect each other, but that doesn't mean that everyone's going to agree with what your viewpoint is. And so I was really concerned about, like, that being in the first Hmm. week of the class. And it wasn't an issue throughout the class. But, like, I definitely... It was striking that that was, like, written in such a way that, like, you may believe things about God or not about God, that if someone says they disagree with you, I'm not going to tell them they can't say that. And you're not going to be protected by... You're basically not going to be protected from getting hurt from what people say, whether they agree or disagree with what you think. Because we need to have a space where that dialogue is able to happen in the ethics course. Yeah. So, like, if we're going to talk about abortion and you disagree with abortion, like, we're still going to address this topic because we need to address this topic in the medical ethics class. We can't just dance around it because it makes you uncomfortable. So I thought that was very fair. Hmm. As far as then, then the other ones like professors, and I've never had really any, yeah, vehemently disagreeable professors that were disrespectful towards people who had beliefs. I think the one I think the most about was like my English teacher, but I think it's like the whole English Jewish department has an agenda, and it, it really didn't go beyond that. Besides. I had a friend, and he would say that, like, welcome to English class where we talk about why white people suck. And that was the extent of it. But other than that, no real pushback about, like, if you believe this, then you're less of a human or anything like that. Or the other way as well. I've had, I've had really, I think the professors are very careful to not show what they believe. Or at least in the professors that I've had. 
So I guess a question, why do you think it's important for Christians, I guess, to um, to go into spaces that will challenge you and ask those hard questions about either faith or the way you interpret science or whatnot? I think, and I'm probably going to say this over and over again in this episode, but the great thing about the truth is that you can continue to pick at it and investigate it and turn it over and the truth itself will remain true. Like the truth will not be changed despite how much you investigate it or not. So there really shouldn't be any fear in investigating the truth. And so then you're good to go explore it and see what you find. And then eventually what you find will come back in in supporting what you originally thought. Except now you have like more substance to what you believe. And instead of just having a belief because maybe I was told this or I heard it told to me this way, now I've seen it added on more evidence to why I think the way I think and what I think. Hmm. Yeah. I I think that's what's so good about college is that, um, at least for me, what I experienced was a lot of that challenging happened, um, and maybe not necessarily in the classroom, but you know, maybe more so in like dorm spaces where you just have a huge pot of different people that have different experiences and, um, you know, outlooks on, on life. And so you have conversations all the time that are challenging and they kind of just force you to, um, to create and well, just really, I mean, your word, investigate kind of what your thoughts are. Um, and what the Bible actually says about these questions. Um, and in the end, you do, you do come out stronger, at least for me. Um, or, you know, if you, I think a lot of people don't really investigate or they might hear one thing and, um, and then just kind of walk away, which is what we talked about kind of last week with or the last episode with my sister. Um, yeah, it was, so something that I saw, there's a guy, um, on YouTube called inspiring philosophy. Um, and he had a video that talked about, um, like are Christians is like Christianity, the most like violent religion or something like that. And um, he played a clip from an atheist who was reading an article and he stated that, or he claimed that, um, oh gosh, I'm going to get it all mixed up, but you can watch the video. I'll have it linked in the description. Um, He claimed that like Christianity was like caused the most deaths period and it's the most violent religion, whatever. Uh, but once you actually read the article that he was mentioning, well, one, it's hard to find that article, but Inspiring Philosophy kind of dug and tried to find the, the one he thought was being um, cited. And it, it claims, in the article specifically, it claims that all religions end up being violent because people are not good people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And so it's like you can't claim 
you can't claim that one religion is inherently violent um, because all of them are, right? All of them cause destruction, atheism, you know, um, like all of, like every religion is like that. <laughs> so it was just kind of funny uh, because like, let's say you're in college and you hear that, that statement being made, right? You're like, oh my word, like Christianity is terrible. Like, well, even in this, even in that article, they kind of put even Nazism in the camp of Christianity. And it's like, well, what? <laughs> like, if you're going to claim something like that, then it should be based on, like, doctrine, right? So if the mm-hmm. Christian doctrine is saying, like, hey, let's kill all these people because of this or whatever, then, yeah, that's yep. bad. Um but if it's just people claiming, even people claiming to be Christians, mm-hmm. but not living out the truth of Christianity, then you can't say that that religion is bad. You could say that that person who interprets Christianity in a certain way, maybe not traditionally, is bad. Right. right. So, and if you don't investigate that, then you're just left with like this thought that, Christianity is the worst religion or is the most violent religion. And it's like, yeah, just, just do some, just do some research. Yeah. Some of your own into, research into questions like that. Not be yeah. A, I think something I've been thinking about recently is like, what does this person want me to think? Like who is controlling what I think? Does this person have a, a way that do they have like a bias? It's like, okay, this is an atheist source. And now they're telling me something that supports their viewpoint. Is that an actual, true, reliable representation of the way things are? Or is that going to be a skewed way that they want you to think the way that they think? And putting it through that filter. Yeah. I mean, it's always good to ask questions. So, I mean, the book Tactics by Greg Kokel. Um it's it's awesome. It's it's a great book in forming how to have these conversations with people uh, without getting overwhelmed or um, you know feeling like you have to always have an answer because it's like you're not gonna always have an answer to everything. I mean that's part of having faith. Um, is yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so truth truth is uh, is important, mm-hmm. for sure. What about you, Logan? Have you had any classroom experiences or professors that have, I don't know, if like forced upon you or, or significantly supported one side of a belief system overtly or even said negative things about other belief systems? Um, man, I wish we had done this or I wish, (laughs) I wish I had journaled more about stuff like this (laughs) so that I could remember, (laughs) um, you know, I'm sure it happened more my freshman year because I was in pre-vet at the Mm -hmm. time. And so I was taking a lot of like biology classes 
Um, and I think it's maybe we can have a discussion about this, but you know, it it happens way more, I think, in those type of science classes where, um, you know, stuff isn't really concrete. Um, there's a lot of theories, yes. and those theories get pushed as truth. Yes. And it's like, well, it's a theory for a reason mm-hmm. um, and not a law. And so it's like, is that is that actually truth? Should we be teaching it as truth? Yeah. Um, it's it's a hard question. And that's kind of what's being debated on, like, should evolution be taught as truth in, you know, schools like high schools or whatever? Um, yeah. I don't know. Heck, I okay, so this is like a related story. As I'm like, so I'm in my final semester in an immunology class, and we're learning about these experiments that are how we humanity discovered these immunological concepts. What are T cells? What are B cells? And man, a lot of this stuff is based on like, oh, we cross these two things and these colors show up. And so that change means this. And it's a logical process of which these things go through. But there's also been things where we thought it worked this way, and then later we learned it worked another way. And so like a caution, I, I don't, when people present science, they, like you're saying, they present science as fact without this sensitivity that like this is what we think now and there the reality may be significantly different than the way that we think it is does that make sense of like hmm. the more i've learned about yeah. the experiments that tell us about the way things work the more that it's like well th- there is like understanding that there is faith behind the science that people believe in there is a trust that these scientists did this experiment the way that they said they did then things i guess what's coming to mind is like a an antibody test like your blood type it's like oh what's your blood type oh they took my they took my blood and then they gave me i'm a positive and that's what it is that's what i know i am it's like okay how do you Mm -hmm. know that though like how do you know that's true do you know that their reagents were good do you know what methodology they used to prove that how likely is it that that is right? Uh, but instead, we just take the face value of, oh, how did we get here? Evolution, the Big Bang, and that's it. It's like, well, no, how does that work? And like you're saying, where's the, the investigation of it versus just this saying, this is how it happened, and presenting that, that that's the way things are, and then moving on. Yeah. And I want to make a note um, that I am one of those people that think you can believe in a certain type of evolution and be Christian. Um, I don't think we're really arguing, at least I'm not arguing that evolution isn't true. I'm just arguing that should it be taught as truth solely, Mm -hmm. right? I don't, I don't know. Um, Yeah. I hope that's clear and we're not just like trying to, yes, destroy evolution in this podcast (laughs) yeah i've been i wouldn't say i'm a supporter but what i would say is the evidence that these scientists have presented are 
in effect, undeniable. Like when someone shows you bones, it's like, are these bones real? It's like, well, I'm touching them. So as much as I understand, unless I'm not real, (laughs) which is a a whole mind conversation. And so there, there is evidence that should not be ignored. And I think those things lie in that. But we talked about this in my lab meetings. Like, does your evidence support your claim? And sometimes we make jumps that are further than that evidence makes. I'm in this. I'm in a very similar boat. I haven't significantly evaluated it, but I'm not going to say if you believe in evolution, you're not a Christian. I don't agree with that statement. Yeah. So I just I just remembered the time whenever we went out um, evangelizing in Aggieville. It was I think it was just me, you, and David at the time. And do you remember the first conversation we had with that couple who were pondering truth? I don't. You don't remember that? No. Okay. I think it was it was us three. Um, so they were like, it was this girl and a guy. Um, and it was, it was so weird. They were, they said they were Christian um but they had a they were like talking about their truth right is different than somebody else's truth and we were trying to explain you know that truth is concrete and so truth is the same for everybody um but they didn't think that why do you think that's such a prevalent thought, especially at, like at college, uh, with college people? I think there's a couple of factors. The first thing it makes me think of is this podcast that I listened to with Mike Winger, and it was with this other lady, that her specific ministry is talking with parents how to have conversations with children about truth and objective truth. An objective for truth versus subjective truth, and how do kids understand this? So it makes me think about that and this language of like, does my mom have Crohn's disease? Does she have to not eat gluten or something like that? Versus like, what's your favorite color? It's like, okay, one of those could change, is motile, is maybe is a subjective truth to you of what you like today, and maybe in a few years you'll have a different favorite color, and then other things like diseases or gravity or math it's like yeah those things will not change and it's true for everybody the way that those things are so that's one and then so so roommate matt was talking with this guy that worked in cia intelligence and cia intelligence guy was tell said that if you hear something three times an hour or three times within one hour and it's like repeated then you'll believe it's true and so the the how I understand it is the factor that he was citing of your belief in something was the frequency of which you were exposed to it. And so then it's a function of what have, we, what have these children been exposed to as they're coming to college? This amorphous, you can have it your way. I mean, I guess in the, maybe as a result of free speech, we're definitely seeing the presentation of multiple perspectives, but in the, multiple pers- pers- in the presentation of multiple perspectives, without as a child, without the like the frontal lobe thinking ability, critical reasoning ability to decipher one of these is true, one of these is not, it it may seem like 
and being raised in an environment where multiple things are right at the same time, or are presented as right at the same time. And even if a child doesn't select what seems are multiple truths to believe, you're left in a state where what is actually true and there only being one truth is definitely a tough idea to, to swallow or be familiar with. And then on top of that, there's social pressure to... There, there is social pressure and an advantageous result to be someone that doesn't adhere to that hill. If you don't stand on the there's one truth hill, then I can have my cognitive dissonance and my Wheaties too. I can say that I believe in these things, but I don't like that, and that that's okay, even if they're a contradiction. I don't have to think about that. And so it, it allows some like easily sneaking thinking that things can be contradictory and yet I can still believe and think them and that they, and I can think they go together, even if they don't really don't, I haven't evaluated it. And it, I can, I can, that, that's just the way I understand it. And that's my truth. Bingo. And then my, my, the way I think mm-hmm. about things is supported. It's like that. That's not evidence for the claim. That is not yeah. robust. It's like, how, how did we get like here? That does not. Just, what if I think the sky is a different color and I call it a different color? It's like, okay, now we're playing a semantics game and we're unwilling to sit through a dialogue to and to think and now we don't think and now we think silly things. Or, even worse, we're being told what to think by other people who may have gains from making us think specific things. Yeah. Which is like... So I guess what... Oh, go ahead. Which well, I just was going to say, like, it's crazily related to truth. Of, and even like a professor, right? Who's an authority that speaks into your life of things that you believe? Or what is an authority in your life that gets to say, this is what I believe about things. This is how I decide reality. And then when we, mm-hmm. when we say, I don't know, I think as a Christian, it's a really wise idea to say, Jesus gets to decide what I believe about things, not me. I was just about to ask that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to be, I was just about to ask. So as Christians, why do we think there's, a single truth and who gets to decide that right and so yeah you just kind of answered it well i mean it's god gets to decide that but like but why i mean i think mm-hmm. for for me it's 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 obvious right because he is the creator <laughs> right <laughs> i mean he's the one that created all of this yeah so i think he can decide how it works yeah. <laughs> the katana telling the blacksmith this is how i'm supposed to be used i will open right. letters it's like no <laughs> it's not yeah. your job yeah yeah and, and there's um, but then we can't be prideful then we can't be selfish then we can't be gods in the in our own world where we get to decide what was important to us where i can live the way that i want to and we can't idolize ourselves if if God's really God. Yeah, yeah, it's humbling. Yeah, it's humbling to take a step back and say, you know, somebody already decided how it's going to be, and I'm okay with with following that. I mean, it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's hard, um, and clearly, it's hard because nobody wants to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody wants to do their own thing. <laughs> Yep. Hmm. Yeah. That's reminding talk me of, about a high calling. Just reminding me of Romans seven, and reminding me of in John. I think it's John six twenty eight and twenty nine, 
these people are coming up to Jesus and they ask him, Jesus, like, what is it that we must do to do the will of God? Or to do the work of God, I think is what it says. And Jesus says this, he's like, to do the work of God is to believe him who he sent. Or to believe in the one who he has sent. Like, that's the work of God for you to do. And Hmm. what I think he was saying there is like, this is the work that you must do in the Christian life. Believe me. At the end of the day. And the hard part is, is like, that is actually like the work to do some days when you wake up. The work to investigate, what do I think about this? Yeah. Like, what is God actually saying here? Um, Yeah. I mean, and he's given us the guidebook. Yep. We have, we have the book of truth. So we don't really have any excuses to be like, well, what did he say? We can't know God. I've asked people that too. Of like, can we know God? No, we can't. There's no way. It's like, no. Like you said, we have the guidebook. We we can know him. Mm-hmm. And he's living inside of us, which is kind of awesome. And insane. I have a side tangent for us. Because it was recently Easter, the theme of the side tangent is do not put your hope in people or what is your hope in? Hmm. And so... Good Friday's coming up, and I was stoked because Good Friday service at Faith was going to be 6 p.m. and like 7.30 p.m. So I'm like, this would be great for Rose and Todd to go to, who are two co-workers I work with. It's in the evening. They both had the day off. Awesome. And long story short, or some conversations of Todd said he would go if Rose went. And then Rose said she would go. And the plan was that we would have, like, go to church, get dinner together, and eat and watch Spider-Man or Batman. And unfortunately, those movies weren't showing. So then that Friday, I texted her, like, hey, I didn't see the movie. I don't think they're show- those movies aren't showing at the theater. Where would you want to do dinner afterward? We could do dinner and, and church. And then they messaged me, hey, we've made other plans. Hmm. And so moral of the side tangent being that like what I do, do I think it would have been good for them to go to church. Yeah, man. And when Pastor Steve, when he starts off with, you know, we're all on a journey in life, but today that journey has brought us here. So there's a reason that you're in this room tonight. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, my goodness. Like how serendipitous would that have been? for Todd and Rose to be there. But that I don't think that's what this is a that that is what this is about. I think it's a, a definite display of the priorities of worldly people and of what's important to you. And the Good Friday service, the gospel, like that is as much for believers as it is for non believers. And mm-hmm. there is a sense of joy that I'm like, man, I'm so glad we get to celebrate like the greatest work of Jesus's life, the greatest thing that's ever been done in history. And I'm so glad that we have a culture 
that has that as a holiday. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Side side tan or side side note tangent tangent. Ascension Catholic Hospital Ministry is Easter a holiday? No sir. Kind of funny. There's the tangent tangent. But from Well, the, can you really just shut down a hospital? Oh no no. I mean you're still going to work, but so on like New Year's and on Christmas, you'll give workers you time get and extra a half pay or something. Right, you get time okay. and a half holiday pay. Did you do that for Easter? No. I find that at least mildly entertaining. And uh, a comment on corporate values. I think is a polite way to put it. But with Rose and Todd being like, I don't their salvation isn't dependent upon my actions. And I can get trapped up in if I would have presented things this way or if I would have done things differently, then they might their outcome might be different. And I think the, the better attitude to have is that we're here as messengers, we carry and we present the message to people, and their response is their response to the message. Hmm. They make their choice, they make their choice. Like, do everything within your ability to be persuasive, to be compelling. But it is, but, but we shouldn't be so prideful to think that it's our activity that's going to be the thing that changes their position in that. And our hope shouldn't be in that. Our hope shouldn't be in, in the number of people that we lead to Christ. Our hope in the end should be in Christ himself. Like, that is the reward. And it's crazy because that's a reward that we already have. So there's a, a side sign tangent. If you have any questions or... It's kind of a weird story. I think I have, a, I have a remark. Um, I was reading Philippians today because our Bible study is over Philippians. And uh, at the end of the first chapter, um, Paul is talking about his imprisonment, like he is most of the book. But uh, or the letter, but um, he's talking about how he was confident that he would be delivered because um, they were praying like intensely, right? I forgot how he phrases it, but it was like intense intercession, right? Is kind of like what he meant, and through that, through that intense intercession. Um, would come like the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Um, and it was just like such a, this is a, a cool um, thought, right? Like he was confident because there was intense intercession that was going to cause the help of, of Jesus Christ to deliver him. And I mean, I think that's just like a picture of salvation too, right? Like, that we can there's there's confidence in the deliverance of people through intercession and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. yeah so just keep praying man yep fits as well it'll happen But I'm. That's cool that you kept uh, you kept trying, and I know that your heart is really for 
for Todd and your coworkers. Um, yeah, and it's really encouraging me, like for me to see that because it's like, man, I want to. Makes me want to reach out to my coworkers and and really be Christ-like to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's keep it up. That's what matters more. I've been I've been really thinking about that. Like I I think this might sound controversial, but I think tactic and I think tactics and apologetics are good. But I'm not convinced that many have been won to Christ through a robust conversation. But I think more people come to Christ through the consistent witness of Christ's love through one's life. Like living out the Christian Mm -hmm. life is the greatest evidence. And I think after that care of being a genuine person, then people become open to the idea of who is Jesus? Why is he changing your life? Why, why do you live differently than that? Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think this is such a weird side tangent, but (laughs) we're going everywhere. Um, I think, um, personally, I see apologetics more for me. Like, it helps my faith way more than it probably helps somebody else's. Um, because whenever I do enter those conversations, I'm glad I have those apologetic techniques or, you know, um, knowledge. Mm-hmm. Because then it helps me be more secure. Yeah. Whenever I am encountering those difficult questions um but yeah like you're saying i don't know if that's ever really won someone to christ in my experience Mm -hmm. maybe it's helped them think through things more um but yeah i don't know yeah and as a side note i encourage too um todd hasn't made a decision for christ but I do think he's learned some things about Jesus. And we've talked about he, as we've talked about Jesus, as we've talked about the kingdom of God. When he says things like, I can't go to heaven because I'm gay. And I've told him, no. What does it take to be saved? He's like, you have to believe and you have to repent. Nothing to do with being gay. Like that, those are the qualifications, so to say. Or what is required. The sin stuff we can deal with. Jesus deals with. And then we've even talked about like scripture and reading scripture. And he's what we've talked about some other Christians that have done some other things. And he's like, man, he's like, they're cherry picking verses, Andy. You either got to believe all of it or you believe none of it. It's like, yes, Todd, this is good. So there's slowly I've told him, I'm like, Todd, I think if you ever change, if you ever change your mind towards Jesus, I think you've you're in a place that's set up well, that there's this like baseline theology that he hasn't bought into, but he's been repeatedly exposed to that will that won't be holes. I guess my point is that those conversations aren't wasted. That people do still mm-hmm. hear and do still learn things. Like don't represent Christ poorly to get a quick decision because that stuff won't save it. It's way the person. Yeah. Yeah, you're sowing seeds. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I guess another question maybe 
let's let's go more practical. So resources, maybe like training plan to being prepared for conversations or even answering questions when you're like just trying to do like what is true when you encounter an idea that is is scary to think about or that that seems to sow doubt in your mind how do you deal with those yeah i think there's like attitude stuff and then there's tool stuff yep i agree so attitudes first I think like an attitude of being scared to ask questions is not a good attitude to have. But rather an attitude of I can investigate the truth and I'm going to be okay. Like God is not mad at me for asking questions about him. I'd say also, this might be controversial. It's okay to say, I don't know, but I trust God at the end. There's been times in the Old Testament I'm reading and I'm like, I don't understand how this is right, but God says it's right. God says it's good. And I'm choosing to believe God over what I think. And we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's an attitude of humility that, that God and, the way, and his wisdom is greater than my wisdom and those things. Yeah. And, and like you don't, have to, you don't have to understand it all. And you don't have to understand at much or a bunch to represent as I'm going to say. And I think there's also an attitude that's good to adopt of citizenship. Like believers are citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And so just as, okay, so we're in America, the United States of America. If I go to a different country, I do weird things because that's how things are in the country I'm from. It's like used to Walmarts or something like that. And the point I'm trying to make is that when you go to a foreign place, you represent the place of which you're from. And the place you're from may have different values, may have different customs, may have different ways they think about things, may have different ways that they do things. And so the attitude of I'm of a different country, I'm of a different citizenship, as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, we represent the food of the spirit. We dislike sin. That is like a basis, and it's okay for those things to be true. It's like they're gossiping. I don't like that. I don't stand for that. I don't want to support that. And there, and it's okay to have that identity. And the, and those are irrelevant of the topic of conversation or feeling like I come across as dumb or overbearing. Like representing well that which you come from is important. And, and like understanding that you are a representative and you don't have to apologize for being different just as a foreigner doesn't have to apologize that they do things differently. It's because they come from a different place. Does that make sense? So those are some attitudes. What are yeah. other attitudes or uh, comments that you'd make on those attitudes of investigating truth or representing truth? Well, I really like that you brought up identity. I think that's really important. Um, Especially like just, I mean, Navigators really helped me understand the idea of like my identity being rooted in Christ. Um, And if you like, if you understand that and that's like a solid foundation for you, then, oh my word, college is going to be so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) So much easier. Yeah. Um, Because you just won't be shaken by things like that. 
because you just know like i mean like paul paul is like that all throughout like his epistles like you just know he is rooted in christ and you know like nothing's gonna like make that waver like imprisonment isn't you know his persecution and suffering like he just knows and he's like even debating like in philippians i know we're talking about that a lot but in philippians he's like debating like should i like is it better for me to go and be with christ or like be here with you guys and he's like well man you need me and you know i'm like i know that i'll be with christ eventually like i just know that my identity is in him and i can do more of his work here right now and so he's like I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to suffer more because I know like my identity is in him and I'm going to dwell with him for eternity later. So it's just like, think how much more, man, just life is just easier when you understand your identity. (laughs) And we have a problem today. I think that's the biggest problem we have probably is just people just don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And we're stuck to finding. And we're it. trying to figure it out. Yeah, just stuck to finding it ourselves, and the yeah. disaster. Yeah, we that choose. That yeah, yeah, we mess it up. If we choose our own identity, we'll mess it up. Yeah, there's just I, I I just get stuck at there's a baseline untrustworthiness for me that I change my mind, and that like something that changes their mind is like legitimately not trustworthy. It's like last year. Two years ago, I liked the color blue. Now I like the color white. Man, that's scary. I thought that this was important to me, but now I, other things feel important to me. It's like that is so amorphous and, and changing and not consistent. It's borderline scary that this is how we're going to define ourselves is by our choices. Yeah. Especially, man, especially when it couples with there's things in our lives that we can't control. And then if you take the position that, like, I'm the ultimate determiner of who I am, if I have a bad situation in life or I'm not happy with my situation in life, then I'm responsible for that. And that is just a, that, that is just a, a state and an attitude of despair at that point. Like, very scary when we lean on ourselves to define who we are. Let's think about tools. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we've been talking about it all episode, but I think apologetics really does help in this area. Just kind of, just getting in there. Um, Tactics is a good book. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh. Prayer? There's so many resources. <laughs> what? I'd start with, like, the Bible and with prayer. I th- I've, like... I mean, yeah. That's that's obvious. There's been things in my life that's like, <laughs> God, I don't even know how to understand this. Would you help me? And I feel like God's faithful in those prayers too, of of bringing peace or a person into your life to explain those things. So yeah, prayer, the word, um, online teachers of different sorts. Mike Winger first comes to mind. Ten minute Bible hour comes to mind. I think about the local church too. Oh, and I, I would think about a, a journal. 
like you talked about at the beginning. Like, man, I wish I journaled more about this. I think that's a great way to like really flesh out what am I thinking about this? Where am I confused about this? And then you can go and, and ask an older, wiser person in your life, how do you think about this? I'm stuck here. Would you help me? And I think any local church member is going to be really honored to dig into those questions with you. Yeah. I would be concerned if your clergy's like, don't, er, don't ask questions. You just don't ask questions here. I would, I would be concerned about that. That is a huge red flag. Absolutely huge. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with all those thoughts. Um, hmm. I guess this falls into an attitude thing. I've also, I've personally experienced a lot of growth in, you don't have to know everything at once, but the quickest way to learn stuff is to, to take the present question you have and investigate that one out. So if you're confused about the, if like I don't know what I think and I, I really want to get, and I'm really hung up on this thing, then going and investigating that thing. And then once you reach an answer, awesome. And, and keeping a journal of that, probably a great idea. But investigating that thing which I'm struggling with has been the most helpful way of going about it for me. Yeah. Dude, I had so much fun like just talking theology with friends in college. Yeah. I mean, you were there for most of those conversations, <laughs> especially senior year. <laughs> it was it was mentioned. We had a we had a theology night over suffering last semester, and it was mentioned like a week or two ago of like, "Man, I don't know why." They were like, I didn't know why we were talking about suffering. And then a few weeks ago, I was going through this thing that really sucked. And that was helpful. It's like the things that we had thought about in the past and talked about in the past, they were they were useful. Yeah. Talking yeah. theology with friends. Yeah. Well, Andy, is there anything else? You, you could think of that would be helpful for this conversation? Um, I, I guess I think in like, in a, in a sense of closing, uh, the John 6, 28 and 29. What must we do to do the, er, let me look it up. I'll look it up. The other thing would be like, persevere. It's okay for this to take a long time. It's okay for things to be confusing. It's okay to not know. I think the losing circumstance is when we decide when when we give up. I'm not sure so I walk away. I think that is the only losing case. So remain yeah. in the fight, remain in the wrestle. And th- and that really is what leads out through things. I I and I don't want to be misconstrued to be like, "Oh, you just got to keep believing like a Mormon." I I don't think that's not what I'm trying to say. Okay, yeah, John six twenty eight and 29. They asked him, what must we do to do the works of, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work is to believe. <laughs>
And hmm. belief is supplemented by facts, but belief is not the substance or is not belief is not made of facts at the end of the day. I think that belief and trust in Jesus is much more rooted on the personhood of who he is rather than the quantity of information you know about him. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. Well, I think I think we can end it there. All right. We have a couple closing announcements. Um, we have a Facebook page and possibly other social media. Merrick has been working hard to get stuff up and running. Um, so I'll put a link in the, or I'll put stuff in the description about ways you can, you know, interact with Northbound and, uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping to, to be available, um, yeah, maybe have questions on Facebook or whatever and interact there. That would be fun. Um, that'd be fun. Yeah. So if you guys have thoughts on, you know, this episode, I'm sure there's going to be a post and, um, yeah, we can have a dialogue on there about thoughts and other questions you might have. Um, I think that would be a great outlet to, to continue the conversation. So, yeah. Um, any other announcements? Nothing comes to mind. Sounds good. Yeah, man. That was good. That was a good good conversation. I think that was needed. You know, I wish people... I wish I had someone tell me all that stuff whenever I was a freshman. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Would have saved so much heartache. I know. I know. But, you know, we're better for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, everybody. We will see you on the next episode of Northbound. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and hope this was valuable for you. I know you can't see it, but I'm not. <laughs> he is not. <laughs> can't confirm. <laughs> Right. Toodles.